Welcome to Empowered by Hope, a new podcast where we share our insights, optimism, and enthusiasm for medicine and all its possibilities. In each episode, we'll dive into the health and medical topics that matter most to you, our listeners, right here in Orange County, California. Hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening. Today, we are talking about prostate cancer, and we are joined today by Dr. Jeffrey Bassett. He is a urologic oncologist at Hogue. Doctor, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Before we get into some of the treatment options, let's talk a little bit more about prostate cancer. What age group of men does that typically affect? Depending on family history, genetics, and some other variables, anywhere from 45 to generally we think about anywhere from 45 all the way up to 80, 85. Okay. Now, depending on the age of the patient, you know, there are men that are diagnosed with prostate cancer later in life that it's appropriate to monitor it as opposed to treat it. Certainly, the younger you are, the more likely you would be to need treatment over the course of your lifetime. And let's talk about what, the, I guess, the screening process would be. Um, you see, you know, we have colonoscopies, we have lung sure. cancer screenings. I myself am 44 years old. I'm in that sweet spot. When do I need to begin the process? So screening, could, particularly if there's a family history of prostate cancer or, you know, there's some other genetic variables that we could get into detail later if you wanted to offline. Mm. Um, the What I would say is that screening could begin as early as 45. Now, there are different screening recommendations, but... In general, and for the past 30 years, screening has been based on a blood test called PSA Mm -hmm. or prostate-specific antigen. That's changed. So if you were to see me in my office tomorrow, what I'd be talking to you about is a urinary biomarker test. And so with up to 98% certainty, just in testing your urine, we could determine whether or not you're at risk for uh, clinically significant prostate cancer, meaning real prostate Mm -hmm. cancer that... Certainly at age 44, you'd want to know about, or even at age 75, if you're otherwise healthy. Clinically significant prostate cancer. Can you expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. And there's a reason why I threw uh, yeah. those terms out. Um, there, Historically, there is a real slow-growing prostate cancer that, and even a lot of men have heard this terminology in, in the media, that men are more likely to die with, not of. And so this is also called Gleason 6 prostate cancer. And often it is so indolent that any treatment is overtreatment. Mm. So recognizing that, um, and the recognition began 15, 20, in some cases 25 years ago, science is caught up and science is now helping us. And so with tests like the urinary biomarker, that's looking for mRNA or protein expression in the urine that is only associated with prostate cancer that's at higher risk than the Gleason 6. Prostate cancer that instead of dying with, not of, you can actually die Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. and die of sooner. And so this is how we can pivot and continue to make the transition to actually focusing on the men who have real prostate cancer and who need real treatment as opposed to men who are being diagnosed with a really slow-growing prostate cancer that really, again, any treatment would potentially be over a treatment. And let's segue then into the treatment options now. What are some of those treatments uh, for patients with the localized prostate cancer? So a lot of the treatments are the same, but just better than they ever have been. Sure. And so when you're talking about localized prostate cancer, the mainstays of treatment or management have been 
active surveillance in some men, surgery in some men, and radiation in, in other men. Okay, and in each of those, in each of those so-called three categories, there are a lot of different ways to do it. And big picture wise, I'll tell you, we've come a long way with all of them. Mm. Okay, a, a more recent addition, so to speak, although it's been around a while, are focal therapies. And focal therapy, the way you want to think about it, is that in some men, they might have prostate cancer that is lower or what we call lower intermediate risk that we know based on the workup, the prostate cancer is only in a certain location or a certain half of the prostate. And so for those men, depending on a a lot of other selection criteria, they might opt that instead of having the entire prostate treated, and that has some associated potential side effects, instead, they would opt to just have the cancer treated where we know it is. And the treatment modalities for that are a little different. So instead of surgically treating it or getting radiation from outside the body, the treatment modalities for for focal therapy include things like high-intensity focused ultrasound, which is also called HIFU, or or cryotherapy would be be another option or another example. And so, um, again, there is a group of men that what they really need is a lumpectomy of their prostate. So similar to a woman who has breast cancer, not all women with breast cancer need both of their breasts removed. Mm Some of them just need a lumpectomy, and that is more than appropriate and curative treatment. The same thing could be for guys with prostate cancer, that the entire prostate does not need to be treated, and they benefit from a more focal treatment. Can I ask you about the active surveillance portion? And I, is that something that I can do, monitor my – and what, are, what am I looking for? What are the symptoms there? Sure. So specifically, active surveillance refers to men who have been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Got it. Who either because the – the cancer is so indolent or slow growing or for other reasons of their own choosing might prefer to take a let's wait and see, meaning let's let's monitor the cancer over time and let the cancer determine whether or not it merits treatment as opposed to overreacting to the initial mm-hmm. diagnosis. And so there's a lot of factors that play into this age, other health problems, goals of care. I mean, there are men that that knowing that having whole prostate treatment with surgery radiation might affect erections or might affect urinary control, um, they might not, might opt to be on active surveillance until it's actually necessary to have one of those treatments. The good news about active surveillance is that the way we do it is completely changed. So initially, when active surveillance kind of came to the forefront, it relied on PSA, a blood test, which is not specific for prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a, a lot of biopsies of the prostate. You and I can talk about that later, but <laughs> suffice to say you want to yeah. limit the number of biopsies you have yeah. because they can be very invasive. But now we have new tools. We have new tools like urinary biomarkers. We have new tools like imaging such as MRIs of the prostate or even micro ultrasound. So for men on active surveillance these days, it's not signing up for blood tests and a lot of repeat biopsies. Instead, it's giving some urine and having some imaging at certain intervals, and that allows us to not only do active surveillance in a way that's more comfortable for the men, but also with higher diagnostic accuracy than what we've been doing in the past. Uh, let's expand on some of the treatments. You said advancing treatments, and one of the things you mentioned was that high-intensity focused ultrasound, HIFU. Uh, can you explain a little bit more how that works and sure. what some of the benefits are? Sure. 
The I'll start with the second part of that question, which is the benefits. So again, why a man might choose focal therapy, and in this case we're specifically talking about HIFU, is that they have a discrete area of the prostate that they want treated. And the benefits of doing that as opposed to whole gland treatment like surgery or radiotherapy, there's res- less risk of impact on erections and less risk of impact on patterns of urine control or actually getting the urine out. And so essentially, while there it, it, um, there's certainly no guarantees that it might not affect those things, it's far less likely to affect them. And so that's why a man might choose that treatment option. Um, how it works is is actually, again, high-intensity focused ultrasound. And so these days the technology has gotten good enough that it's actually – there's a robotic component to it, not that the robot is doing it, but actually is the type of thing where the patient's asleep um, and then we're actually able to use the different imaging modalities, fuse them together localize the cancer, and then treat it over the course of 45 minutes to an hour, go home the same day, uh, lay low for the weekend, and then pretty much ready to go the following week. Hmm. So I guess the next question, and it's on the list here, is HIFU covered by insurance? Most of the major insurances cover HIFU. So for example, Medicare, most of the the larger PPOs cover HIFU. And so it certainly has become more mainstream. I would say that the data supporting HIFU goes back over 15 years. And so sometimes it takes a while for something to kind of come into the armamentarium of providers and patients. And I would say that focal therapy, particularly HIFU, is now there, and the insurers recognize it as a as a good treatment option for a lot of patients. Well, great. And as we wrap up this conversation, in the world of cancer treatment, and when we're talking specifically about prostate cancer, is it the same as other cancers where if we catch it, the goal is to catch it early, or is it different for prostate cancer? A hundred percent. What I would say is the goal is to catch it early, and the hard part is always catching it early in the men who most need it mm. caught. Okay, that makes sense. And so this is where one of the things that Hogue is we're putting together now and and in the process of development and will soon launch is actually a screening clinic for men who are at high risk. And this screening clinic, I don't want to, you know, ruin the ruin the punchline, sure. so to speak, but the screening clinic is going to incorporate a lot of the things we've already talked about today. Mm-hmm. And it's actually going to target men looking at their family history, looking at their genetics. And then from that standpoint, go forward and screen them in a way that doesn't rely on, say, PSA. That's the blood test. The problem has been over the last 30 years when we've relied on PSA, which is the best that we had, and when we've relied on prostate biopsies, when we pull back and we look at the view from 10,000 feet, the second leading cause of male cancer death 30 years ago was prostate cancer. The second leading cause of male cancer death last year was prostate cancer. So for all the good that's been done, for all the innovation, for all the hard work, for all the research, there still is the need to actually detect the men who most need to be diagnosed earlier, more efficiently, 
and apply today's wonderful treatments when they're most needed. Well, I didn't think you were going to I thought you were going to allude to something. It's the 20th leading cause of death, but that's interesting that it stayed the same Second. over this period of time. All right. You've been listening to Dr. Jeffrey Bassett. He is the Benjamin and Carmela Dew Endowed Chair in Urologic Oncology at Hogue Family Cancer Institute. He specializes in cancers of the urologic tract, including bladder, kidney, prostate, and testes. He performs both minimally invasive and traditional open surgeries, depending on the disease process. Dr. Bassett is fellowship trained in urologic oncology, completing his Society of Urologic Oncology Fellowship at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee. His urologic residency training was at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA, where he also obtained his master's in public health. He received his medical doctorate from the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine, go Panthers, graduating Alpha Omega Alpha. Dr. Bassett's research has focused on novel urinary biomarkers and improving surgical outcomes across the spectrum of urologic cancers. He is published in peer-reviewed journals, including the Journal of Clinical Oncology and Cancer. He has received several distinguished honors throughout his career, including the American Cancer Society's Excellence in Research Award and the American Society of Clinical Oncology's Conquer Cancer Foundation Merit Award. Dr. Bassett is a member of multiple professional organizations, including the American Urological Association, Society of Urologic Oncology, and American Society of Clinical Oncology, among others. Dr. Bassett, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. And we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Empowered by Hogue podcast. If you haven't already, please remember to like, comment, and review, and subscribe to catch all our future episodes. For more information on Hogue or to book an appointment, visit hogue.org. That's H-O-A-G dot org.